You are back on the bench with Bubba and Pink. That was our Fresco Mr. Soul with Letter to My Ex. I've never written a letter to my ex before. I never have either. <laughs> I mean, what's the point? They're an ex. <laughs> Might shoot him a text once in a while, but hey. That's it, man. <laughs> I, that's, that's, that's doing a little too much, but that's a, a, a dope song, man, from Fresco. It's on all streaming platforms, uh, of course. Uh, today, we have a good show uh, for you guys today, my man. Uh, we definitely have uh, a, a trainer here, an elite trainer, I, I like to call it. Daryl would you Harden. say so? Oh, yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, would you agree? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's everybody else's opinion. I, I think I'm good at what I do, though. Okay. You're good at what you do? Yeah, that. man. The jumper is real, too, man. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I appreciate put, that. Put me on the sideline quite a few times with that jumper. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to talk about, uh, we're going to open with uh, some, some, some quarterback NFL stuff. Uh, we're going to get into uh, Daryl and, and, and some of the guys that he's trained, uh, get into some NBA talk, and also just get into some intricacies about, um, you know, college basketball and, and and some of the things like that. Training and player development. Exactly, exactly. Training and player development. Um, am I too old for that, to get some of that? No. <laughs> I was going to say yes. <laughs> Hope no. springs eternal, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, man. NFL. You're fired up about quarterbacks. I am fired up about this, man. What what are you fired up about here? I I just I can't understand how nobody seems to get the Tom Brady thing. I mean, he takes less money every single year and we're just so surprised that he wins <laughs> because the quarterback in the NFL, the quarterback, you know, a lot of times takes up so much of the salary cap. And, you know, the NFL is a hard cap. It's not like the NBA where you can flex and go over right, and right. just and pay the penalty, you know. Um, NFL is a hard cap. Well, a lot of contending and even Super Bowl winning teams have been built, basically non-Patriot, non-Tom Brady teams have been built around quarterbacks on rookie deals. Exactly. And you go back to like Seattle and Russell Wilson. Um, the 49ers had some good teams with Kaepernick. Even even the uh, your team, the Chiefs, were built when Pat's on his rookie deal. Exactly. And what you see after the guys get that big payday with, with Russell and you're seeing it with Mahomes is gradually the pieces around them that help them start to have to, to be liquidated. And it's tough to replace those guys. I mean, you don't just draft established quality veterans year in and year out to replace what you're losing no no and you're gonna hit you're gonna miss on some draft picks i mean that's you just you're just going to without a doubt the you best know? general managers the best minds in football still miss on draft picks and so now you have these quarterbacks who are, are frustrated with the team not winning and russell wilson He's, you know, oh, we don't I don't have enough offensive line help and I don't have enough offensive help and things like that. But you're the third highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Like, I mean, what what are you expecting? Right. Tom Brady is the 17th. Highest. Is he really? Yes, that's I didn't realize that. That is crazy, man. And the Bucks are apparently bringing back all 22 they starters. Back everybody. <laughs> and, and, and and it's just it's crazy because they're like 
how are they able to bring back all these players? And 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 or do, do they have? Are they working with a different salary cap? No, their quarterback is 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 only making twenty billion a year. But I, I and I go back seven years ago when the Patriots won the Super Bowl. And, you know, because now you could say, I don't know, you know, you could say, you can make an argument that Tom Brady is older now and, and, you know, and, you know, it's okay if he takes less money now, but he's done that throughout his whole career. But even then, you know, when he, when they won the Super Bowl, I'm looking at it now, he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17th again. Back seven years ago. Back seven. As a Patriot. Back seven years ago, you know? So it's probably, he's probably never been a, a top three compensated player at any time in his career. At the same time, he's basically put up a, a, a Hall of Fame greatest of all time career. I, and I, yeah, and it's just, it's just something I can't understand, man. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, and, and the devil's advocate is, you know, get your money. You know, I, I I definitely understand that. Of course, get your money if they're gonna. You're, you're what what is, what is the saying? You're worth what they're willing to pay you. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I I definitely understand that. But don't come out complaining about your team that you don't you don't have enough help <laughs> <laughs> because it just doesn't make any sense. You're not thinking about help when you got that pen to paper. <laughs> you're just thinking about that account. Maybe the Cayman Islands offshore account. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's hard to deal with. But, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Tom's a guy, too. I think he's probably – I mean, he's probably made a fortune off the field, like non-football income. And he's got the, the, the wife, the wife who, who's... who brings in major, major money herself. Yeah. I mean, he's in a bit of a unique situation. I know. I know. But, I mean – if you're another quarterback, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been top five, you know, every single year he's been in the league as far as paid. And it's they've like, they've always been susceptible to a thin roster that that's that's more likely than not had some sort of issue before you get into the Super Bowl. I mean, exactly. he basically went to one and one, correct? Yeah, and that was it early in his career. You yeah, know? <laughs> and Wilson, the other example, he went to two, one, one, lost one, and now Mahomes is two, one, one, lost one, and we'll see if he's able to get back. Yeah, uh, Mahomes would be the guy that you would look at to see if he can sustain a Super Bowl run here and there throughout his career, being a top-paid quarterback. I mean, but his money kicks in this year, so he's number one this year as far as right. quarterback salary. So we'll see. But I mean, you know, they they've had to cut a lot of guys. Um, they you know they cut three offensive linemen. Um, you know, one was hurt anyhow, but we, we saw how well that worked in the Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> not, I mean, the Bucks generated a ton of pressure on him, yeah. and, and you know, did, he didn't look as comfortable as he did it, it you know, it, during the season, and they lost the game badly. Exactly, man. Yeah, exactly. So. I, I think it's, I think it's a, a real catch twenty-two. I, I hate the salary cap. I really do. Yeah, that's why I'm a big fan of international soccer. You buy whatever you want, <laughs> load up an all-star team, and go to work. <laughs> well, yeah, the NFL. I mean, yeah, you can't keep an all-star team for long unless you know your quarterback is taking you know less less money there. Yeah, um, for sure. But and, and when you look at the Tampa Bay Bucks, I mean, I, I don't know that they have anyone on that team that's making you know top tier money like the most at their for their position. individual positions yeah yeah for their individual yeah I, I would yeah i don't think they do necessarily necessarily no yeah yeah and uh and most of those actually like like uh you know like you look at a guy like fournette who really went out of the jags with a whimper revives right. himself with a really great playoff run and especially as a running back you would think he would at least want to test the market and see what's out there and he agrees to a relatively reasonable sum to return to the bucks for another year I mean that's a, to me a pretty stunning decision on some of these names 
ahead of um, Tom Brady as far as salary wise. Derek Carr, <laughs> Matt Stafford, Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Wentz, Kirk Cousins. That's a Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> Lost a lot. That team, that team just looks so barren. You know, I, I can't name anything. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now he's got a whole bunch of. <laughs> I don't know. That that's a very suspicious situation. Listen, man, when you get a massage, you know, I don't know. That's a tricky thing, man. I, I'm just not a massage guy. You're not a massage guy? Yeah. My thing on it is, you know, if you truly want to have sex, there's people that do that. <laughs> that you don't have to be weird with. Like, you know, that's kind of, there's arrangements for that. So Yeah, you know, the New England Patriots uh owner, he had it, you know, he had it down right, man. Yeah. It's a place you can go for that. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I don't get you you just trying to just make up your mind. Like if you want a massage, have a massage and be happy. If you want something else, go get that other thing. But as we spoke about, there's an ego part to that too. I guess if, so. if it's all true, I think it yeah. could be. You know, I you know it, it could be they're trying to railroad them for trying to stand up to the to the you know to the league and to the team and wanting to get out of there. But if it really is true, there could be an ego factor to that to that as well. It's like I can have any girl I want. I should be able to get you, type of thing. <laughs> With, you know, especially with my irresistible massage moves. <laughs> like, what's going on there, man? You got the like, you got to think about like the risk reward there. Like, if you do that move and it doesn't work, like you got to be pretty humiliated. Yeah, I mean, if you're just turned down, like, I'm sorry, sir, not interested. <laughs> this will finish up our massage, and I won't be seeing you again. Like, how do you like feel going back to the house after that? That's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, and maybe that just wasn't a pill he was willing to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting this. I'm getting this coochie today, right now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you got going on. <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see where that goes, man. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I I was telling you, man, when I was getting the knee, my knee. What was that? Shock therapy or whatever? Acoustic therapy. Acoustic therapy. I mean, she's an attractive. Lady. Lady. And, you know, and she gets to talking. She's open and, you know, and free. You know. We're going to have her on the show with an interesting topic in a couple <laughs> what's months. The, what's the topic, man? That, that, that acoustic therapy, this is what I've heard, can actually be used to rejuvenate the penis. <laughs> and they're going to be using, they're going to be coming and talking about that. So Anybody who's we'll ever, ever had that on their limbs, it is like, it hurts, man. Yeah, Daryl, have you heard of this acoustic therapy? I've heard of it. I haven't tried it. It is. It, it works amazing. It I've does. had like it some does. ankle issues and a knee issue, and um, like literally in one session, I've noticed like a improvement. Oh, I yeah. went like about about two weeks ago. My ankle was really starting to flare up. It was swelling. Had one session. It hasn't bothered me since. Yeah. But it is extremely painful. While you're doing it. Yeah. 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 It oh, just yeah. it hurts you. <laughs> but but uh, it 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 helps. Helps you, so sometimes you gotta bite the bullet and just deal with it. Man up. Yeah, for sure, man. For All sure. Right. I think we take a quick break and get back in with Mr. Harden here. All right. Not to be confused with James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the same beard. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever grown your beard out? 
I can't. It, 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 it doesn't get much longer than this. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> See, it's a miracle grow for the beer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Um, here is uh, uh, Bay Bubs here. It's on all streaming platforms. We'll be right back. You're on the bench with Bub and Pink. Don't forget we're on all podcast streaming platforms. And also check us out on YouTube. Uh, like, subscribe, share. All righty. We'll be right back. Come in. God, shut up. I love you. Right. Hey, shit. Yo, big fine ass. Twisting that woke. You wine pass. She say she only like eating sushi and buying bags. Lace 300 and it's 150. I last. I'm trying to bag her like tie trash. Her ex was all kind of trash. Tell him playing traffic and try to crash. Tell him this whole thing go rap like a body cast. I know he thought he could leave you hanging and try to break. But love is like, baby, you gotta laugh. No, I ain't just trying to smash. I got you covered like the bottom half. I hold that gun like I'm still trying to find a flash. Shave for me. I spit a frog like a science class. And then it's Netflix in a wine glass. Yo, big fine ass. Twisting that walk, she wine pants. She said she only like eating sushi and buying bags. Lace 300 and it's 350. I lash. I'm about to work you like a time task. Yo, big fine ass. Twisting that walk, she wine pants. She said she only like eating sushi and buying bags. Lace 300 and it's 350. I lash. I'm about to work you like a time task. She bull headed, but her sign says, Held me down when I sacked up them dime bags. Can't be single with your fine ass. Crush it up, she'll make a climax and climax. Down for the smoke like I'm Cyrex. I've been watching her like a IMAX. I've been clocking her like a Timex. Trying to hit her like hi Say she's single and I don't buy that. And let them niggas come with here, they contract. Yo, big fine ass. Twisting that walk, she wine pass. She said she only like eating sushi and buying bags. Lace 300 and it's 350. I lash. I'm about to work you like a time task. Yo, big fine ass. Twisting that walk, she wine pass. She said she only like eating sushi and buying bags. Lace 300 and it's 350. I lash. I'm about to work you like a time task. back on the bench with Bub and Pink. We have our guest tonight, Daryl Harden, an elite basketball trainer here in Central Florida. Daryl, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, we want to kind of talk to you about a couple things, but uh, give us a little bit of your background, how you got into training, what's mm -hmm. your basketball experience, and tell us who you are. Uh, well, I'm from uh, St. Pete, Florida. So St. Pete. Um, <laughs> we, we play a lot of basketball there. We, we like to think we do, but... Um, I got into coaching by uh, one of my close friends, Leland Loper. Um, I met him when I was at Florida State, and go Knowles. Yeah, just, just not just not today. <laughs> right, not today, not today. <laughs> but uh, I met him when I was at Florida State, and he was coaching uh, a middle school team, and we were at the gym, and he was like, "Yo, come watch my game. It's here in Tallahassee," and I watch it. And first game I go to, they hit a buzzer beater. And they're go. running around and going crazy. And I, I think it was championship game. <laughs> and so I was just like, yo, that's pretty dope. And uh, the following week he had a tournament in Tampa, which is, you know, right across the bridge from St. Pete. So I was home. like, I'll go home and see my family and help him coach. And it started, in, it started there. So um, it wasn't something you, like, from a younger nah, age was really interested or focused on no, doing? No, I, I mean, it's funny because my high school coach always told me I'm going to be a coach. And – my senior year, I got voted most likely to be a coach or, and all that stuff. And I was just like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. What, what was, do you like better, coaching or training? Uh, I like training because I like 
the I like to see individuals get better. Mm-hmm. And I and not only in just basketball, like that's something I enjoy seeing. I enjoy seeing people do well. So I think the training thing for me, you know, is just a plus because it's a game I love to do, and I'm still getting to see guys do well. So how did you find your lane? You started coaching with your mm-hmm. friend on his middle school team, and how did you kind of make the transition or, or the focus at least mm-hmm. on training individual players? So I think uh, we, when we started a team, you know, they're so young, they got to get better. And so I love being in the gym, as you guys know. Like when you guys are playing pickup, you know, nine times out of ten I'm there. This is so, the first time I've seen you outside of a gym, to yeah, be honest. Right. <laughs> so. Right. So um, it just it kind of went from there, and I would just – you know, show a guy something, and I got I kind of got addicted to showing a young kid something and then watching them do it in the game, and mm-hmm. it just it, it went from there. So I, I kind of built my uh, training company out of that. It was first called Showtime Skills because our AAU team was called Showtime Hoops, and then it turned into Ghost uh, Player Development. Nice, nice. Well, um, why, why did you change it? Um, Just the concept of Ghost Protocol. So we have a strength coach here in Orlando named Randy Hadley. And what we did was we always trained our guys at 5 a.m. So they'd mm-hmm. be on the court with me at 5 a.m. and go to him right after that. And then when they get done with him is when the sun's coming up and they'll be going to school. So um, we always said, you know, we we're just, you know, ghost protocol that you never see the, the, the elite Navy guys. They're always oh, operating in the you. dark. They're always operating in times you don't see. And, like um, the Navy SEALs. Yeah, the Navy SEALs. Oh, I got you, okay. And so... Um, you know, for me, I didn't, I've never put anything on camera really. So, um, it's just kind of doing it in the dark and kind of doing it unseen. And, um, that's where the name came from. And it just stuck just, you know, by the time you see a ghost, it's too late. (laughs) I like it. By the time you see one of the guys I'm working with on the court in front of you, you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Like you never Uh, see the work. How did you get parents to get up and get people to the gym at five? Yeah, That's man. a minor miracle. <laughs> the, the 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 unique thing is it was it was we listened to Kobe Bryant actually talked about it. He woke up at four AM to extend his day. Yeah. So by Kobe would Kobe talks about waking up at three thirty, getting to the gym at like four thirty, working out, going home, getting breakfast, working out again. So Kobe was getting three workouts in before, you know, noon. Gotcha. And so he was doing that just because, you know, he's a workaholic and he wanted to extend his day. And so we kind of like piggybacked off of that and I showed them, well, if this guy can do this, you know, you guys can do it. And the the guys that I usually work with are committed guys. Like it's not going to work if you're not committed. That's right. I kind of wanted to, again, kind of in that regard, you you work with what I'd characterize as pretty high-level players Mm -hmm. as a whole. Um, You're generally not dealing with guys struggling to make the JV team. Correct. Um, (laughs) Now, is that just something that you've kind of built the reputation among the the more focused players and Mm -hmm. they come to you, or do you do some sort of marketing? Again, you're not putting up a bunch of videos every other day showing your work, so how do you get your word out? So it's it's a unique thing for me, and I'm still navigating it as it goes because social media is so you know big nowadays um one of my favorite movies is hitch and i I don't know if you guys remember but will smith didn't do anything but it was word of mouth and so that's what my thing is right now it's a it's a word of mouth thing guys are coming to me because of the results of another player and this player this parent said hey well this is a guy that really improved my guy's game 
and then they come to me. Um, the level that you are um, doesn't matter to me. Like I said, it's the commitment. Like I've, I've had a JV guy who is now in college, you know, making contributing to his college team because of his commitment. So when he started with me, he was in JV, and now, you know, he got a scholarship college to school, player. and he's a college player, and he's being productive. Nice. Now, when, um, in terms of um, once you decide to work with a player, mm -hmm. do you have like a, a – how do you do – like do you have like a template of skills that you're looking to implement with each player, or is it more individualized to like what a player – you know, kind of does, and then needs to add to his game. Where, where, did, where are you on that spectrum? Um, it's it's individualized. I I study like this is what I do for a living. Um, you know, my daughter's two years old, and she's watching basketball with me, and so um, I'll watch a guy's game and break down the things that I think they need to add and things they need to improve on. So it's not a one size fit all type all right. of deal. Guys aren't coming in, and we're all working on the same thing. If if there's four guys in there we're going to all work on each other's weaknesses. So, for example, Rondo, Nas, and Kai were three different players, one 6'11", one 6'6", and one 6'0". But they're all working on each other's weaknesses and creating an all-around game amongst each other. Can, can you uh, say those guys again and, and where they're at? Kai Jones is in, at Texas. He just declared for the draft this year. Okay. Nas Little is playing for Portland Trailblazers here in his second year, and Ronaldo Saguza Jr. at Buffalo. Okay, okay. Kai, um, going to the draft was that? Uh, did you have any involvement in the decision making process, or render any advice, or any of that? Yeah, the the advice is, you know, Kai and Nas live with me, so mm -hmm. advice and them trusting me with, you know, trusting my opinion matters. So yeah, we we've had lengthy conversations about what's next and, and how to approach the game and stuff like that. Okay. And, you know, he formed his decision. So when, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, when a, when a player is making a decision to leave college and go into the draft, um, what resources are available to them from maybe the league perspective mm -hmm. to gauge what their relative draft ability is? Right. Is there things that are out there that so you can get? You, get, you have the undergraduate uh, form that you can fill out. I think we're going to take that step with uh, Rondo where you, you fill it out, your college coach signs off on it, and then they send the information on where they think you will be picked if you were in this draft. Mm -hmm. And they tell you, hey, well, this is what we like, and this is what you need to work on, and they send you a packet back. Oh, uh, so it actually it has, like, genuine feedback, genuine not feedback just, like, from you're a second-round pick. Yeah. It'll be, no, yeah. you, you need to develop work on here. This work on that. You, okay, I got gotcha. um, you. Me personally – just being in this game for a little bit, just the AAU side and going through it with Nas, I have relationships in the industry. And so guys are pretty honest with me about where my guys are. And so they're getting the educate. Like they're not, they're not guessing. They're right. getting the truth from the other side. I was going to say with, with him being in Portland and you being in Orlando area, mm -hmm. will you come across Anthony at all? Anthony Simons? Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Anthony's a good kid, man. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. Cool. yeah. Okay. Now, um, the other, um, what I was going to say, like, as you're developing guys individually, how, what well, do you have a, a cap on how many guys you feel you could comfortably work with? Right. You know, being basically one guy. Right. So me, it's just me right now in, uh, in Orlando. It's just him in Atlanta, and so, uh, we're very like-minded guys and, and stuff like that. But 
I'll take on about 12 high schoolers a year. Okay. And so um, I'll do about 12 high schoolers, and then obviously um, I'll travel out to my pro guys when they're ready and or when they need me, and I'll go out there for a week and come back with those dudes. As as far as, like, the guys that are either in the pros or, or in college or mm-hmm. the, out, out of town, do you, like, watch their film and offer sort of critiques and, and, and things that they might be working on throughout the course of their college or pro season? Yeah, I think for me that's the most important thing. I think we get away from film. Like, you know, everybody wants to beat the ball in the ground and, and just go hard, but those mental reps matter. And so I am breaking down the guys that I work with. I'm breaking down their film, and I'm sending them stuff, and they're sending me stuff, and we're going back and forth through text if I'm not there. And like I said, whenever a trip needs to be made, I'm with Nas, I go there. And even with, you know, Pascal's now in Tampa, but I would even go out to where he was just to spend time with what he what he wants to work on and stuff like that. Okay, very interesting. Siakam? Yeah. Okay. So with um with your uh training methodology as it were um i've kind of come full circle on it when i was a young jv coach i didn't necessarily appreciate the value Mm -hmm. of the individual coaching right and what kind of converted it for me was my own son's experience he's a soccer player and it got to a point where i coached him as a little kid then it got to the point where he needed to be on better teams with better players and had to have you know other coaches but what dawned on me and what dawned on my son probably before it dawned on me was if you are on a team that is not enough time to get better no and you know whatever you practice two nights a week you practice five days a week with your high school team for two hours that's just not enough to get to an elite level right and the other side of that is you need somebody that is a voice that has credibility Mm mm-hmm and has knowledge yep. to you know to break down what you're doing and tell you, hey, if you want to get better, you need to attack this. Right. I think people are creatures of habit, and, and if they have success doing, you know, one or two or three things, they yeah. tend to want to just play to their strengths and do only that. And it dawned on me, it's like if if he's ever going to do anything with this, he, other people need to be involved. People that right. have expertise that I don't, and people that have time that the club coach or high school team coach doesn't have. And so I really think that, you know, to get to any sort of elite level, having individual trainer to focus on you is a critical part of that puzzle. And I assume you probably agree with that. Just the the simple logic, right? Like I coach a team, but I also understand if I got nine guys on my team, if those nine individuals are getting better, then I'm going to have a better team. And I think, you know, high school coaches and college coaches and everyone, like, they're so focused on winning together that they lose sight of if I make this guy better or if I help him get better, he's going to be – he's going to make my team better. And so – and then on the on the flip side is enough, right? People think they're doing enough. You go to two-hour high school practice, you probably got up 50 reps. You come to one of my workouts – you're going to get up 300 reps an hour. Mm-hmm. And so it's just that mindset of what I just did in high school practice was enough until they run into somebody that just is doing more. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. I always felt that that was, in a, in a small way, when I was coaching the high school setting, 
I always thought that that was the defining factor of whether you had a good team or not. It's mm-hmm. like, what happens when practice ends? Yep. And I've always measured the better teams I've been around, the second I finish saying we're done, some of the kids go grab a ball and start shooting more. Yeah. Um, you know, and those same kids are going to find a, a way to go to a person like yeah. you or, 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 you know, go to the, the, the rec or the Y and get up right. more shots or, or steal a key to the ninth grade center at Winter Park and get yeah. it there. Right. You know? right. It's just that, that hunger and that desire to get better and, and, and put all the time and all the chips into yeah. that. Is that something that you've, you found with, with right. And, and, and our, my industry isn't that old either. Like when I was young, there wasn't no trainers around. Like, you went to the park and you played against grown men and you waited till one of those grown men either got hurt <laughs> or they were too tired and Sounds they had to like go me. home and the sun's getting ready to go down and you get one game in right. and you got to prove your worth in that one game and then you come back and you do it again. So like the training now is so available to everyone that I, I do think the game's in a good place because of training, but I do not want you know, people that just look at you said, just go pick up the ball yourself. Yeah. And and just get some stuff in yourself and see what works and what doesn't work. True, true, true. So I, I was going to say, like, a lot of times, you know, people will complain about the game being soft. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or I was, I, I can't stand this, as people go, kids nowadays, yeah. this generation. Yeah. And you're working closely with a lot of kids in this generation. Mm-hmm. Is there truth to that, or do you feel the other way, that a lot of these kids are doing a really good job for themselves? The the world is changing, right? And the guys that excel are the ones that adapt. So, yes, mentality-wise, people are different now across the board than they were 20 years ago. But the game of basketball is the skill set, the overall skill set. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, higher, it's a higher skill. It's higher. Yeah. Kids are doing what Michael Jordan won dunk contests with, in games that's right that's true and so i'm i'm not the one that'd be like man this game is in a bad place this game's in a great place but the mentality of of softness and stuff like that like it's funny right like if i bump you and you flop and you get rewarded for that you're gonna do it again right and that's just what the game is now like guys are using their minds to do little stuff that might turn an older guy off but they're just playing the game that is in front of them Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think that's that's on the National Basketball Association. It's, it's, it's on or college, wherever yeah. you're playing at. Yeah. It's on that and the referees, Correct. not necessarily the player. Yeah. The player, like Correct. you said, is just taking advantage of what's in front of them, like the you rules. just said. Yeah. Right, exactly. right. I, well, I mean, I feel got. I mean, your your namesake, James Harden. I feel like he's literally perfected. That. Man, <laughs> he, he, I mean, he's got it where, you know, whether it's you know how things are going to be called Mm -hmm. whether it be a a travel or not Mm -hmm. um how fouls are going to be called he just puts you individually in a bind no matter what you choose to do if you want to get up close to him he's got stuff to deal with that if you're going to play off with him he's going to deal with that it's like he's literally perfected offensive basketball yeah he's he's mastered it he just he's mastered everything from his step back when to draw contact and it, don't let the game get away from him. He's going to get his two free throws. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He, just, he, he said don't let the game out. get away from him. Oh, he, yeah. He just oh, figured yeah. that part out. So, um, like I said, it's just him understanding the rules and him using that to his advantage, and I'd never see anything wrong with that. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, let me ask you this. How is it that there are players in the NBA mm-hmm. that can't do certain things? How do you get to that level? Just talking about – 
how you just said somebody in your session is going to get up 500 reps, mm -hmm. you know, versus 50 in practice. How does a guy on the, you know, because as a fan, we mm -hmm. look at it and, you know, as fans say crazy things like Absolutely. this guy's trash, and, right. you know, but he's an NBA. Right. But how is it that certain guys are can't shoot or, you know, I'm a 76ers fan. Yeah. All right. yeah. So how I'm is it that ben, ben <laughs> <laughs> it's just I mean it's just it's mind blowing. Right. But not not necessarily speaking directly on him, but just you know in general, yeah. how yeah. is it that they get to that level and can't do certain things? So so each of these guys, like when you get to the NBA, it's four hundred jobs. Everyone got a role, right? Mm -hmm. So Ben got to the association just just on him for a little bit by just being a jack of all trades. So he never he never mastered anything, and he's found success without mastering shooting or any any anything in particular. Really, mm -hmm. he can do a little bit of everything, and so him not understanding, yo, if you just spend a summer on this, it changes everything for you. But it's hard to you know tell a guy, hey man, you've made millions of dollars, you're a max player, you've been successful doing this. Now nah, let's do that. Let's right. do the let's do the thing that frustrates you. Yeah. Um, the other big misconception is guys in the NBA, like there's nothing they can't do. Right. But the team's not asking them to do certain things. So when when you get a shot and they're not asking you to shoot or telling you not to look for that. So you let's say Rajon Rondo, mm -hmm. right? He's he catches that, it, yeah, gets right? Criticized for shooting. And he's not looking to shoot. Because mm -hmm. he's looking to do something else. His his role is to get other people involved. In initiate. Right. And so because that's not a primary thing he's doing, it's not that he can't shoot. It's just he so many thoughts and ran through his head that that shot's now taken away. But if we bring Rajon Rondo out on our pickups, he'll light us up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So, that's true. And that's the – I think that's the thing. And like you said, as fans, we can only go by what we see. Right. right. We're seeing guys struggle with this. But I've seen some NBA players that no one talks about come in and just destroy a gym just when people are thinking they're bad players or they're trash or whatever. <laughs> they that's true. That's true. Well, I mean, shooting is at such a premium in mm -hmm. this game now. Yeah. Uh, it's so important to spread the floor and, and maintain all five players as yep. an offensive threat. Uh, and I know that's a central thing that you believe mm -hmm. in personally on the court yeah. and, and in your training. Kind of – um. Can anybody learn to shoot if they put the work in, or do you see it, feel that there's some guys that just sort of have whatever a natural aptitude right. for doing it? It's both, right? Like, there's just natural shooters, right? Like, I've and been. What makes somebody? Yeah, a how shooter? is that? Yeah, it's, it's it's you know like the mechanics of it, right? If if I can get to this without it hurting me or paining me, like that that this feels comfortable to me, right? And so it's felt comfortable for me since I was seven. You know really? what I'm saying? So, like, I used to, in youth leagues, on the break 20 years ago, Way before stop it was cool. <laughs> because I was so bad at doing a layup. And so I didn't know that for I coach, hate layups. My coach would go crazy. Like, yo, what are you? I'm like, bro, this is going in. I don't know if that's a higher percentage shot for you. <laughs> so, like, me taking on some guy and finishing a layup when I can just yeah. shoot it. Like, and so... It's funny that the game is going to that, not saying that I did anything to that, but it's just no, that's yeah. been my mindset. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just you, but it's like anything you can shoot. Like shooting is also reps. And, yeah. you know, 
to Nas as an example, like people said he could not shoot. Right, right. You know, and right now he's that shooting. That was a knock. Now he's shooting 40% from three in the NBA. So, like, yeah. it's really reps. And Nas never had bad mechanics either because he picked the game up late. But mm-hmm. it's a when, lot of reps. When did he pick up the game? He started playing basketball, like serious basketball, when he was, like, 13, 14. So right, mm-hmm. right yeah. coming into high school. Right. Okay. Is he is he from the States? Is he Yeah, so his parents are military. Okay, okay. So but he was so he was born on a I, I wanna say Pensacola, Florida. Something but like that. He's okay. been he's been to some everywhere. Um, been in England. Um spent his spent his childhood there, but most of his most of his life has been in Orlando. Okay. So w- middle w- school and then high school. Would you say finishing at the rim over, I, you know, you just mentioned that. Would you call that a skill as well? Is that something? Absolutely. Can you learn that? Can you, is that reps? You know, like Kyrie, you know, Kyrie is, yeah. a, is a master at that, you right. know, finishing with right. contact. At we call it pad work, right? Like pad work. Pad work. The coach has the pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With it, right? Yeah. Okay. Kyrie's uh, godfather is Ross Strickland, and okay. they spent a lot of time on that. Yeah. From when he, he was tiny. Yeah, the guy can sit around the basket and just flick it up and do all stuff that I couldn't even imagine doing. You <laughs> yeah. Know, just you know, just spinning it and getting it to hit the board and dropping in. So his level of creativity and yeah. finishing it. I mean, it's with it's both literally hands. artwork. Yeah, with both hands. Yeah, both hands and yeah. and and even with each hand, mm-hmm. multiple varieties of, mm-hmm. of finishes. It's it's incredible to watch. Really. Yeah. No, that's skill work. Yeah. I is, mean, is, is that something that you go over in your trainings? Or yeah, we 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 spend time on finishing. So I every workout, let's say it's an hour and fifteen. The first ten to fifteen minutes is around the basket. Okay. Floaters with both hands, layers with both hands, a little bit of pad stuff. Um, but as Pink said, I'm big on shooting, and mm. so majority of my workouts is shooting. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. I mean, that's what a game is at. Yeah. You've had, have you ever had a big man like a real center? For yeah, I've uh, I've had a, I've had a couple. Oh yeah, Kai's yeah. six eleven, right? Kai six eleven, but he's a he's a he's a modern big. Modern big. John Mooney, John Mooney's double double every. Oh every yeah, Notre Dame game. and Lake Brantley. Now he's over in Australia. Okay, so, he seems um, to be doing very well yeah. there. I see him. Yeah, with the I like, numbers. Yeah, I actually like working with bigs just because oh, yeah. you get the bang and it's all footwork stuff. Okay, people, yeah. people like bigs are very underrated on their skill set. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. They could be highly skilled. Yeah. Man. Well, I always felt, I, I mean, I guess footwork's probably the, the real foundation of it, but I always felt like with, with, with people that can function around the basket, like knowing how to use your body mm-hmm. and leverage, yep. which I, I mean, footwork probably mm-hmm. gives you the groundwork to do to that. To do that, yeah. But like some people just have an innate feel for yeah. it. And when you do, they're, it's just hard to deal with. Yep. I mean, especially if yeah. you have a legitimately big body. Yeah. And and like in particular, like like we just brought up Kyrie, right? Like, yeah. His childhood was finishing, right. and then there's some guys that just play pickup all day when they're little, and they find a way to do things. And like you said, if you're big your whole life, you got to find a way to use it. Like I was blown away the first time I worked with Vucevic, and to just see the things he can do with both hands. Okay. But soccer, soccer plays into basketball because if you got good feet in basketball, you're gonna be in good shape. Thank you for saying that. I, yeah. I find no, I, I mean, I, I'm a huge soccer guy. I but I, I love basketball, coach basketball. But I, I think there is um, 
some connection between some correlation the two. there for sure. Uh, footwork, I think, helps. I also just think that like fluidity of the yeah. game and basic principles of spacing and movement yeah. are also are have some similarities. Yeah. And I do, you know, I think that that's that's an excellent point. Yeah, that's the first thing I'm gonna put my daughter in. She's okay. only two right now. Uh, all right, first thing she's right. doing is <laughs> A lot of those overseas good. guys, that's like their second that's sport. What, I mean, yeah. here in the states, people, you know, the kids play football and basketball, yeah. but yeah. overseas is, is soccer and basketball. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you know, yeah. MB was a it was a soccer, soccer. guy. You know, yeah. Yeah. I think so, going yeah. back to like Elijah Wan and yeah, yeah. Elijah Wan and, and all of that. You know, back in the day when with those guys coming over. Yeah. Um. Here's the one I wonder. Um. Wonder. I always think that a lot, like, you know, when you're skilled or, or even when you're not terribly skilled, so much of being successful in a game setting is decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, what, as a trainer, can you do to, to help improve decision-making? Is that something you consciously try to mm-hmm. develop in your players? Mm-hmm. And how do you go about doing it? It's, it's simulating the game, right? I think... My industry gets a bad rap when you see the videos of guys doing 20 dribbles For to, real. Get, to get into a step back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, if, that's true. If though. you're in player development and, and and you're watching this or you hear this, you're doing your kids a disservice if you're not simulating the game. And so with my point guards, we're doing pick and roll stuff in workouts. Okay. And we're doing it guarded and we're doing it first unguarded and first, hey, these are your keys, these are your reads. But it's simulating the game as much as you can and then as i said watching the game just getting mental reps just watching the game as much as you can also helps with that now when you um when you're training a guy do, do you like uh watch games with your your guy or yeah. will you send him clips of video of stuff you might have saw in a game yeah. that you're watching my more serious clients we're doing we're doing everything we're watching film together okay we'll watch a whole game and then we'll Go, hey, let's go work on what we just saw. Their game, or will you watch their game. another game? Yeah, like their game. Or so, um, my point guard is like, I like Shabazz Napier, I've always okay, had, yeah. and so Yukon Huskies, um, baby, right? <laughs> Crafty, and I'm so originally from Connecticut, okay, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when he was at Yukon, he was a bad boy, yeah. And and uh, so, um, I have I have a, a high school point guard right now, Eduardo Placer, he's lefty, about 6'3, six, 6'4. And I have him watching Marcus Williams, who always who also played at UConn. Yeah, yeah. Who's a left-handed, crafty guy. So, like, I'll have them watch guys that I think are similar to them and say, hey, let's try to add this and see what happens and whatnot. Sometimes you just throw stuff away, and sometimes you continue to build on it. Gotcha. I, I, one time when we were going over to Orangewood to play, I did. You were working out. It looked like about four guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I did like the fact that you were doing some stuff. It was little two-man game stuff, mm-hmm. some handoffs and mm-hmm. some actions like that. And what I liked about it was what you seemed to be preaching to them was was really sort of the efficiency of the action. Yeah, it is the the action whether it's a handoff, whether it's a you know a pick and a dive, or it's a pick and a pop. You got to do something with yeah. it. And and I thought you did a really good job of kind of making it clear that you we're not doing this to do this. Yeah. Like we mentioned the twenty dribbles into yeah. a step back. Right. You know, the, the functionality of a two man action, a three man action, or even just an individual move. Yeah. It is, I think, a critical part of this, and that's kind of where I was going with the decision making. Yeah, and so to help to help simulate decisions, we compete at every workout. So um, there's just on Wednesdays we'll just do weekend stuff, and I have three. We'll play three on three, and we'll just do you know side ball pick and pick and roll, or we'll do uh, some split action stuff. But we're just trying to do you know we're just trying to make decisions. It's no rebounds if you miss the other. It's the other team's ball. There's one possession, it turns it over. Um, and like you said, you you saw it. 
and I'm, you know, telling them what I see and trying to help them see, you know, the game that way. Now, do you go to um, your high school guys? Do you go to their games? Absolutely. Do, do, and do they do stuff and you're like, man, we did not go over this. Or, or we went over this a thousand times, you know. Always. <laughs> Always. Do. You know you know what's, like, funny, man? Like, guys will be in there every day. Like, I have guys that are there every day. Right. And then in a, in a moment of the game, they just result back to what they've been doing since they were nine. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Comfortable like, with. It gets into... Uh, you know, not I don't want to say clutch, but just an intense. And instead of doing what we worked on, they 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 fall back to what they know. And that's really the the measure of doing anything is when you can do it under duress. Correct. When you yeah. can do it when it matters, because I mean that's whatever you're trying Correct. to do to function when the stakes go up a little bit yeah. and not revert to bad yeah. habits or or you know personal hangups or just give in to fear. Yeah. You know, I think that that's absolutely critical. Well, well, when it comes to, when it comes down to it, I mean, it, what it really means is that they're just they're not comfortable with what they learned in the training Correct. sessions yet. So they, they they think that in that moment, you know, what what I've been doing, like you said, since I was nine to ten, I think this is the better option. Yeah, know, for me right now. Yeah, you know? and, you, and for me, for me, like we usually see that change about after a year. Oh yeah. So a year with me, you start seeing guys trust what they're doing in the workouts mm -hmm. because they would come to me after a game like Kanye Jones would do like he did a lefty floater in the game and he'd come to me like yeah we worked on that like, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the great things yeah. and most rewarding things in coaching yeah. is when yeah. you, you know, you've kind of taught something preached it emphasized it and then when it becomes second nature for yeah. the person yeah, that's there's the a special the rewarding part. feeling with that that's I the best absolutely part. love that that's the best part um, one other little question before we're going to take a break. Um, currently in the college game, we have the one-and-done rule. Mm -hmm. There's an alternative path that's developed here where, where guys may have the opportunity to go to the G League and then transition to the league. When I see a guy like a Ben Simmons, uh, even a Zion Williamson, personally, these are guys that can probably function in the NBA game coming out of high school. Right. And I have the feeling that, man, they just wasted a year in sitting college. there. Right. And then, honestly, if they were, to me – in an NBA setting, working with NBA skill development mm -hmm. guys, they would probably be better players, correct? And, you know, than they would be in the twelve month span. Right. Um, but you know, I kind of wanted to get you from somebody who's in the industry and closer to it than I am. What What is your take on the value of, of the one and done or, or the G League or, or what's your best thought on when guys should be pro ready? Right. So I I graduated high school two thousand five. So like, I was never against the one and done rule, right? Because what I what I what I what I believe it does is it saves guys that aren't ready for the NBA. So let's say that ESPN is ranking the top 100 guys. Ten of those guys are ready right now. Okay. Right. They can go play in the NBA. They'll be all right. You mean they out of high school? Out of high school. Straight out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The one and done rule was keeping that 11, 15, or that 25th, or that 30th guy. It was sending him to college, and he was hitting a, a reality of, you know what, I do need to get better. Right. And so going to school for four years and getting a degree isn't a bad thing either. Yeah. And so that's but, why but I they're not going to stay for four years. Well, if you, if, you, if you get there and you get resistance and you realize you're not good. Like a uh, uh, kid that went to Baylor, uh, LeBron Nash. Okay. Was a was a supposed to be a one and done guy. Yeah, he was a high high regarded. Right? right. He stayed at Baylor all four years. Yeah. Got his degree. 
played a little bit overseas. I don't know what he's doing currently. Right. But right. I know he now can go back to that Baylor network and use that. Mm-hmm. I do like the G League idea, right, where NBA, the NBA is now handpicking five or six kids that they know are ready to make that jump and spending that time. Yes, you get better in the NBA faster than you get better at any other level right. because the NBA is focused on making the individual better because they understand if this guy is better, my team is better. In college, it's all about, hey, let's work together to win this game right. to keep me my job because this is how <laughs> I feed my family. It's true. And, I, and I, again, I I think when you watch college games, yeah. they, they, to me, they feel overcoached. Yeah. And are. I think that there's that, that – that, desperation yeah. for guys to keep jobs and yep. it's and it's like I, that comes through in their coaching it, yep. i have to imagine it comes through on some level with their you know their off the court outside the game yeah. relationships yep. and it's very unfortunate yeah. you know i mean do, i mean do you think that the the g league because i i also like that idea and where they're going with that do you think that can overtake the college as far as the top players coming out of high school yeah. you think that can overtake I it i think it'll keep i think it'll keep it clean right like Guys that go to college, you you can now go and find success at your individual college, or you can go take this route, make the money that they're paying you. And like I said, you're taking the no-doubt guys. So like mm-hmm. a Zion would have taken that route. Mm-hmm. Right, and right. a Ben would have taken that route. He didn't want to go to LSU, no, but right. he had to. Right. And so you're – because that's the negative part. When you get guys in college that do not, want to be there. Right. You, you ain't fooling the NBA personnel. Yeah. Right. You're right. not fooling the NBA guy. And it's really when you don't want to be there, that's going to manifest in some yeah. way and it's going to put you in some situations that people are going to start to question your character. Correct. Right. It's like I'm just, it's kind of like when you have like a you know, a genius in an academic setting that's boring to them. Yeah. It, it, they're going to come they're off gonna... some kind of way. Right. And when you have like a Ben Simmons or a Zion, they're basketball geniuses. Right. And they're not going to thrive in an environment Correct. that's not challenging them, that's not, you know, pushing them to accept. Or an environment that is just overcoached and overcontrolled. Yeah. Right? 100%. You know, I was just saying earlier today that, you know, these top players, they lose a lot early in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why, because you're saying that the game is overcoached and it's all about the team. Like the guy, uh, Oklahoma State, Cade. Cade. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be number one overall pick, Correct. but he, you know, they went out what? Second round. Second round, round yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of those guys, they just lose early. Kevin Durant, Westbrook, all, you know, these yeah. guys, they, they, you know, they lose before. Cade, like, Cade in particular, his team was, you know, it was about him. So he, I, I don't want to say he didn't have freedom, um, but. It's like the NBA is freedom. Like <laughs> yeah. Nas, when he got to the NBA, was like, "Yo, like this is the first time dudes are telling me to shoot when I'm like shoot, like right. yeah." And and living with the result. And so, um, when he was at Carolina, he's hearing, "Don't shoot that. Now swing it. Throw it down here. Do that." And so, it's just a huge difference. And you can only give like everybody doesn't deserve that freedom on the court. Right. So that's why college coaches do it, right? Right. But each kid now has to make the best decision for themselves on what university they're picking. I, I thought, like, uh, one guy that stood out to me, like, when Trey Young was at Oklahoma, mm. when he started, he was running amok, and then once they kind of figured out, well, here's how we're going to guard him in the college game with the zones yeah. and this and that, yeah. it really made the back end of his year, like, yeah. frustrating for him oh, to yeah. watch and, yeah. and whatever. And then you get in the league, and he's got more space. He's got, you know, he's so able to express himself it's as a player. It's too different. I don't think we realize it's just it's really two different games. For yeah. sure. The, the, three, the defensive three and the key um, – changes the game the three-point line 
opens up more space and it's allowing athletes to be athletes. And that's that. I think that's the biggest difference. How how big of a difference does that college three versus the NBA three make? Like, is is it? Is it's it just that spacing. Much? You just got to cover more. No, 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 no. I mean, uh, as far as shooting, as far as shooting, the shooter. You know, because of course the college three is, mm-hmm. is, is just a little bit short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's is, you, is you it got to be stronger, but it's just once you rep that out, you get used to it. Oh, okay. And okay. it, but it was a huge difference at first because it was. 19 i think at first yeah 199 yeah right and, at the top and then the, the nba line is 22 so like that's huge right yeah. but now i think it's 21 and 22. oh so, okay yeah yeah because yeah. yeah. they, they push it back but, i didn't know that push yeah, it closer, yeah it's the, the the nba three once you rep it you get used to it but it's it's the spacing it's to get out to that line and then rotate over that makes the game different do, do you train those uh when you're with your guys, the, the the long, long three that these guys are taking now, mm. do you guys take some of those? Yeah, it's worked on. Do, do, do you think it's a bad shot? What do you think about that? Because that, yeah. I never think uh, any shot that's worked on is a bad shot. Mm. All right, like if you're if you're putting your time into that play and that's your shot, by all means, take it. <laughs> I tend to agree because and like what the reaction is though is like you know if you go. Maybe in high school, so we're not so over scouting everybody. Mm-hmm. You know everybody's game inside now. Like you show up at like a team camp somewhere, your high school team, and they've got a guy that's shooting twenty four footers, twenty five footers comfortably. Like it makes you change everything on the fly. Yeah. You, you're no longer, you know, able to just be content with that guy having the ball there. Right. You've got to go get some pressure on that, right. so that's not a walk in. Right. And now you're yeah, now you've kind of kind of changed your defensive structure to account for that. And that's why I think Curry is who he is, right? Like Curry holds you accountable from the three-point line. Yeah. And beyond. Yeah. <laughs> and beyond. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick little break, yeah. and we're going to – I think Juan's here. We'll bring him in, and we'll do, do talk a little bit more. Yeah, talk a bit about the uh, the Nets and the, the super team they're creating over there. <laughs> <laughs> here is uh, IE, man, a local guy. Well, uh, our guy, man. From Winter the... Park 2016, my coach. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. Made it to the championship and lost. Yeah, but it's all good. Part, you could have just said we made it to the championship. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let people no, wonder if we won guy. or lost. That would have been nice. <laughs> You're on the bench with Bubba and Pink on all podcast streaming platforms. We'll be right back. These niggas think that they know me. Bale. That's how you know, so you know that. Woo. These niggas don't know me. I'm more than all like I'm Kobe. Huh? 24 just don't hold me. These niggas think that they know me. Think that they know me. Think that they know me. I'm more than all like I'm Kobe. 24 just don't hold me. These niggas think that they know me. Think that they know me. Think that they know me. These niggas think that they know me. These niggas think that they know me. Think that they know me. Think that they know me. These niggas think that they know me. These niggas think that they know me. Reporting live from the city, you can die in my city. I eat nose as an eye for an eye in my city. So I wake up in the morning, hit my dance like I'm Diddy. Just to be quite honest, ain't nobody fucking with me. I'm just getting started. Last girl let me go harder. She threw a lot of shade. Still shine regardless. I know it's been a minute, but the project told me finished. And we did it independent of the push it to the limit, like. Ah. 
This is my blood, sweat, and tears. I had to grind all these years, face all my fears. Try to take flight overnight, didn't know that man climbing upstairs. Life isn't fair, this is that truth if you dare. This is that mamba mentality over a beat with no snare. I feel like Kobe, I cannot stop till I'm holding that trophy. These niggas don't know me, I'm balling out like I'm Kobe. 24 ain't just to hold me. These niggas think that they know me, that they know me, that they know me. I'm balling out like I'm Kobe. 24 ain't just to hold me. These niggas think that they know me, that they know me, think that they know me. These niggas think that they know me. These niggas think that they know, think that they know, think that they know me. These niggas think that they know me. These niggas think that they know, think that they know. You are back on the bench with Bubba and Pink. We got Mr. Harden in here, the elite trainer, and then Juan Bernard has just entered the building. What's going on, guys? I'm a I'm a big fan of the show. <laughs> I listen to it. I listen. I listen to it religiously. Right when the link comes out, Absolutely. if I don't get it live. And repping the DR with your hat. That's right. <laughs> always always got to rep the homeland. Shout out to DR, man. Shout out to DR. Listen, the Nets, man. They're creating a super team over there. <laughs> Juan, I think you got to scoot over a little bit so I got can get on the mic still. Oh, yeah. yeah, my bad. Good. Yeah, man. You got your, your knee, your knee COVID thing there. Piss. COVID's got me sitting away from everybody nowadays. <laughs> you got to get the shot, man. The shot is out I now. I got him. Then you can sit next to you can. Yeah, cuddle. what's yeah, the... What's the you can cuddle. Good now. <laughs> yeah, you can go back to cuddling now. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a, a a pink analogy. You know, COVID's COVID's made me tr- treat people in terms of like getting too close to them like bitches. You can never get too close to them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you still you still got to keep your distance, man. We ain't we ain't at the finish line yet. No, no I, I, that's, that's definitely the finish line the day after it started. I <laughs> not to, not 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 to get too off topic here, but do you guys remember where the world was like a year ago? Yeah. yeah, it was yeah, pretty miserable. It was, <laughs> it was pretty miserable. It was. I mean, like, I mean, like, literally, like, you know, those days happen, and like, you know, they're closing down the gym. Yeah, yeah. twenty-four hour fitness to work at. Yeah. You couldn't play basketball. I had, thankfully, I have like just outdoor hoop in my neighborhood. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I literally had maybe shot there once before COVID, and I was there on a daily basis getting up shots <laughs> on outdoor double rims. I mean, it was, yeah. it was hard times. I remember one one of my breaking one of my many breaking points was I um in Altamont Springs there's Crane's Roost and I would charge my car out there yeah. and I'd always walk around the lake. They had the lake like blocked off blocked with off. guardrails. Yeah. Like you couldn't even get to them. I'm like, yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're walking. Like we're not even close to each other. This is crazy. Yeah, these days I've just been thinking about it like all the time. Whenever I whenever I don't have like something to think about i'm just like a year ago today the highlight of my day would be to go to the office do some exercise and then i would hope my mom or dad would need something for the house so i could just like go to walmart and be like have like some sense of normalcy this time last year we were going park to park they were taking the rims off yeah that's right the only one that was that that left the rims on like was the uh was that church yeah the church office. in Maitland. Oh, yeah. wow. Cuz I remember um right near the beginning we played over by uh by Baldwin Park yep. Glenridge outdoors yeah. 
And like I, mean, I thought like, oh, this is cool. We could still play here. And then like a day or two later, like, oh man, they took the rims out. Yeah. Like, you know when? You know when you Yikes. get. I did feel sandbagged. I want for the record yeah. to show. I felt sandbagged that night. You're like, hey, we're playing basketball with like Lewis and a few other people, and then ended up being like everybody there played college basketball <laughs> except for me and you. Yeah. I was like, what did I get into? Yeah. No. Th- that was that was literally the sign of the apocalypse because anytime anytime you could get new like anytime you could get 21 or under year olds to play outside you know something you know like you know it's like you you were just kind of waiting for the ticking time bomb and it came the next day with go bear yeah and that's when i was like man this is this is something serious for real how did you deal with it that were you able to still find ways to train people or what at first want to tell you i was texting him yo you have you found a gym have you we were literally bouncing around court to court wow and like to to your point where we use the ball in park we were out there one morning and um, we were training and the dude's like, yo, we're taking the rim off, but we're going to let y'all finish. <laughs> and so they let us finish and took the rim off. Yikes. And then I was fortunate to uh, find a place like a private gym and I'm not going to share it because I don't want them to catch slack, but oh, yeah, for we sure. found a private gym and um, they let us train in there. So that's it kind of, it kept the normalcy for me. Like that's yeah. why I didn't lose my mind. Cause my guys actually worked in, you can tell by their seasons right now because we were we're in the gym. Yeah, I I really think um, you know when we look at this whole past year, like a tremendous advantage developmentally is for people who were able to find a way had an to work on their their craft. Yeah. And, and and a lot of people probably had a pretty significant disruption there, mm-hmm. didn't get the the work in that they would have otherwise have gotten, and it probably separated a lot of people yeah um you know when, when you when we look back at it and say man you know somebody like guys- kai, kai kai to start the season was unbelievable yeah like didn't he didn't he made his first 17 shots just because he was year, locked in to start the year because he was yeah. just that locked in rondo was shooting 60 percent from three to start and so like because they were just they never missed a beat when other guys did right right so pretty incredible times, <laughs> but uh, as you were saying though, the the the, uh, the Nets are putting together the Monstars. <laughs> What's going on over there? Yeah, yeah man. Uh, a lot of people are, you know, just writing their championship, you know, name. They're writing their name on the championship this year. It, 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 you know, do you guys think it's pretty much over? No, <laughs> it's it's never over in the NBA. <laughs> do you, do you think they're making it to the finals? Guaranteed. Um, well, I'll say this: um, Milwaukee possesses a pretty tough matchup for. You think him. so? Yeah. I, I saw that Milwaukee Brooklyn game have, this year. Brooklyn <laughs> Brooklyn doesn't have anybody who can stop Giannis. No, that's I I, I want to stop that. <laughs> I want to stop that. Bubba's been a Giannis hater. Since no, no, no. Was. I'm not. Before, a, no, no, no. That's not fair. The mainland. They have two. When it gets to, when it gets down in the fourth quarter. Is a defense you play against Giannis, and and he he can't he doesn't. It's nothing he can do to alter that defense ever. You know, he's. I, yeah, they I'm have, not a big fan of Giannis. Man. There, there's. I'm two, not a big fan. There's two advantages Milwaukee has matching up with Brooklyn. What I advantage? Named, I just named number one. Giannis, Giannis is not an advantage. Number two, they have. Excellent perimeter shooting and excellent perimeter defense. Where is the excellent perimeter shooting? 
uh, you have Holiday, Vincenzo? you have Brook Lopez. Holiday is not an excellent perimeter shooter. Bro, do you do you watch basketball that's not <laughs> Holiday is an excellent perimeter shooter? He's better than Eric Bledsoe, which is what they have. Oh, of course, but I mean, is that, if that's your, you know, your bar. You have Chris Middleton and you have Lopez. Who is, Chris is an excellent mid You've been Middleton guy for a long time, but yeah. you're not going to run away from that now. Uh-huh. You're a Middleton guy for a long time. You're not going to run away from that now. Yeah, yeah. Middleton is an excellent <laughs> mid-range shooter. I like Middleton. Yeah. I do. I do like Middleton. I'm, yeah, I'm not saying that Milwaukee can – I'm not going out on a limb and saying Milwaukee's going to beat them. I'm just saying yeah, it's that's a, a very, very small limb. It's a very tough matchup <laughs> for Brooklyn. And it's, it's not a, a tough matchup. Okay. All right, well, <laughs> is there anybody else that you, you think can give – in the East that can give Brooklyn a decent run here? No. Uh, <laughs> well, I was going to get to you, Daryl, in a second. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to say Philadelphia, but I, I just don't think that they have the pieces. Even the Homer doesn't think Philadelphia is going to do this. Really? Yeah. I, I don't who think does, who does you. Of course. Of course we're going to the finals. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. Brooklyn ain't got nobody that can stop Embiid. Now, neither does anybody else. But health is the, the big question. But um, I'm just not. With Brooklyn, I think two things. I think they're devoid of elite wing defense, and there's a lot of guys who all of a sudden you have to keep happier. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, he was with the Spurs, and while that that's the definition of team basketball, he was always a first option up and first or second option up until this year. And then when he got shuttered to the bench and his role diminished, all of a sudden they got rid of him. And you know when the Spurs get rid of you, like something's an issue. Right. Um, And then I just don't know if we we know that the that these signings are making a big stir. But like, can can Blake Griffin at this stage of his career be a efficient playoff contributor see i i like brooklyn for the for the big three yeah and 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 that's why to me they're so dangerous i think the acquisitions of aldridge of blake and it even going back to deandre jordan they don't overwhelm me these are not the same players that they were four or five years ago and and there's some realities to what they can but do they have to be as players, they don't have to be, but there's some realities as to what they can and can't do. And I do think, from a team standpoint, um, is there going to be a proper buy-in? But but again, those top three guys, if healthy, are hmm. so damn good, it may not truly matter. But Daryl, what is your thought on what's going on? I'm with one on if some team beats Brooklyn in the East is Milwaukee. No. That's the only one because gross. I do believe in Drew Holiday, and I don't know why <laughs> Bubba doesn't. Rome, I love Rome, Drew. I Rome, love J. Rome. Rome, Rome hasn't watched Drew Holiday since he left Philadelphia. No, I love J. Rome. We call him. We call him J. Rome. I love J. Rome. Okay, yeah. J. Rome is one of my favorite players, but he's not an excellent because, perimeter shooter. Because when that fourth quarter comes, he can make the plays. No, and, and, and he's not, a two-way, and not Giannis. Right. Yeah. And That's so, true. but looking at it, man, Brooklyn's Brooklyn's. That's a tough out. They got a lot of talent. <laughs> they got a lot. And, and the crazy thing is, like, all this to beat to, or to try to beat LeBron, Correct. which is, which is, I mean, it's it's quite remarkable to think about. And uh, 
you know, for for their for Kevin Durant and James Harden's and and Kyrie Irving's sake, for the sake of their legacies, they better get it done. Yeah, they can't. They can't. They can't fail with this. Yeah, you're right. right. What a terrible move by Houston, though. You know, they had Ben Simmons on the 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 on the table. You know, it was on the table. And what they got franchise player, mind you. What they got for James Harden, I mean, that's going to set their franchise back. It's already said they lost 20, <laughs> games. They lost twenty games in a row this year at one point. I mean, that was shocking. I mean, for and, and, fifteen and the years. And thing is, like, they don't have. I mean, I look at Houston's roster, and when they're healthy, uh, and I know they were missing Christian Wood, like, they don't have a bad roster in terms of losing twenty games in a row. Like, they got some dudes who can play there, and yeah. I, I just, I, I wonder if it's a call from the organization it's like hey man we are we better get a top three draft pick otherwise some heads are gonna roll i mean i just feel like the 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 way the harden thing went down at the beginning of the year yeah if they had traded him before camp i think they would have approached the season differently they would have had right. a better vibe right. i think his you know his desire and moves to get traded really sucked the life out of that group yeah and it it, it just got handicapped them from the start and they never recovered it got injuries and it just you know again you start looking at the standings you're you're not in the mix to do anything it's yeah. hard to get motivated it's, it's cool. easy to feel like uh i got some back spasms tonight i can't go, go. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a very significant issue for houston going forward uh because i'll tell you this it's a small league and Daryl will tell you these players they talk to other players and players and agents and people who make these decisions uh, when it comes to uh, free agency or going to a place they know what players or excuse me what organizations do right by their players like I'll give you an example like with the magic this week I was told by a very good source that they consulted with all the players they traded as to where their destinations were going to be. Like, they weren't going to trade Vucevic to Houston or Minnesota, you know what I'm saying? Because that's not a, at this point, that's not a situation where they could thrive in. So they traded him to a place like Chicago where, yeah, they can make the playoffs. Yeah, he's going to have a chance to, um, you know, to maybe uh, contend for a, for a title at some point. I, I don't think it's going to be this year with them, but uh, he's going to be using his the rest of his prime to, 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 be, to, to be in a winning situation. Right. right. Um, people take note of that. So the reason I say it's going to be an issue for Houston is everybody around the league publicly and privately sees how Houston handled this situation, right? And it probably wasn't the best uh from a public standpoint, uh, privately, I don't know a lot of the intricacies that went down, but if I'm a free agent this year, I look at the way Houston handled the Harden situation and how some of the other players have spoken about the situation in the past and the, the, the ownership, and you, you're probably have Houston on the low end of your 
priority list if you're a free agent. Right, is, right. Is, is, well, I, I mean, Daryl Morey moves on to Philadelphia. He was kind of the architect of that. I thought even in the last year, year and a half, the owner for Tita got a little too vocal on yeah. stuff. Yeah. I didn't like that. Prior to that, he maintained a lower profile. And I just think when he started to insert himself uh, in the media, I don't, I don't think it helped the situation. I don't think he came off with more class or more you know, kind of credibility. And I don't think that that's something that's going to help how your organization And to Warren's point, like even before James Harden, Chris Paul sent him to OKC. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, it worked out you for know. him. But the, yeah. we the Westbrook thing before the Harden thing kind yeah. of – kind of caught me off guard a little bit because yeah. when when uh there was a story that came out and and again I'm sure there's a lot more to this but uh when Westbrook got covid he he essentially mentioned that the way Houston treated him during that uh uh you know during the diagnosis which came around the time uh where they were going to training camp supposed to go back to the bubble he said that the way that they handle that situation was so poor that he essentially made up his mind before the season was over. Like, hey, I've got to get up out of here. Gotcha. gotcha. How do we feel about the Lakers, though? I mean, uh, LeBron, just got I think it's a temporary injury. I'm concerned about AD being healthy by the playoffs and, and meaningfully healthy. Um, and now I guess they may add Drummond. What is everyone's thoughts on the Lakers, how strong they're going to be in the playoffs, and what, what we can expect? Darrell, why don't you start? If they're healthy, then you you give them their chance. Drummond is a big piece because it allows AD to do what he want to do. Um, but it's hard to bet against LeBron and AD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am concerned about the AD injury only because anytime you – reference Achilles mm -hmm. uh, whether it's soreness whether it's a, a pull what, whatever it is um, I think about the Kevin Durant thing and for sure uh, I don't know if you guys remember Mike Conley two or three years ago oh, he essentially yeah. sat 50 plus games with the same injury uh, that AD had and I almost think that with the LeBron thing this year um, I mean, I, I know this sounds crazy to say because championship windows are so short, but AD is a guy you're going to have there for the next five to seven years. If you have to essentially play the rest of this season without him to assure his long-term health going forward, I think it's a no-brainer because look at what happened at Golden State with uh, with Kevin Durant. They tried to rush him back. They mm -hmm. misdiagnosed it, and then he ends up losing a year of his prime because uh, or a year and a half let's say because of, of, of an injury like that and I would hate to see that happen to a guy like AD. So. You mentioned Connolly sitting about 50 games with a similar injury to AD. When he came back did he tear the Achilles or no? No, no. He he yeah. had he had what was, uh, it was diagnosed as Achilles soreness and then they sat him, they bought him back and then they sat him for a while, and then Memphis was just in the doldrums, so they just sat him the rest of the year, which okay. was which ended up being good for him because they traded him to Utah. It took him a little bit to, to, to get his groove back, and now you see this year it was you know he was an all star. But like those those kind of injuries, like you know with with a guy like Anthony Davis or, or with any player for that matter, you just you just don't mess with those things. Sure, and uh, 
you know, I know the Lakers want to want to bring him back, and he's an int- integral piece. But um, if it means if the risk or the the worst risk um, or the worst downside you can have is him suffering a significant Achilles injury, LeBron, Drummond, KCP, Caruso, Harold, they're gonna have to get it done somehow. Assuming the Lakers are fully fully healthy and add Drummond against Brooklyn. Who do you guys favor? LeBron. I'm not betting against LeBron, but uh, um, the the one thing I am worried about is for the Lakers defensively, do they have the pieces on the perimeter to guard the net? Because, you know, Kyrie and James Harden individually, offensively, yeah. they're two of the greatest offensive players this game's ever seen and then you have Kevin Durant uh, on, on top of that um I mean like like I mean you could make an argument like pure offensive players that they have three maybe top 10 ever right I yeah. don't know just pure offensive skills yeah. yeah like Car- Caruso is is really good defensively and intangibly but putting him in a 48 minute situation for seven games against the Nets um I mean, listen, you're you're not holding Brooklyn to 80, 85 points. Like, let's just – I don't care what kind of defense you draw up. You're not holding them. So you need guys that can score, and I just don't know. Uh, can you strike the right balance with having yeah. enough defense on the floor while having enough offense to, to go basket for basket? Right. And, and again, Montrez Harrell, uh, I worry about him defensively in the playoffs because last year with the Clippers um, – you know the Nuggets. He, he got he got destroyed. Yeah, single handedly. <laughs> he got destroyed. Uh, um, the, the Nuggets exposed him in the last three games of that 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 uh, that series against the the Clippers. And um, again, Montrez is a, a a great offensive player. Um, somebody they need against a team like Brooklyn. But how can you manage him defensively, especially with a guy like KD playing the four? Right. Um, so how do you um if not the Lakers out of the West or who do you feel poses the greatest threat to the Lakers in the West? I hope the Clippers. There's a couple teams. Yeah, I hope the Clippers. the Clippers, I hope Denver. Um I hope uh I don't believe in the Denver or Utah Utah. Thing. I mean those are the four teams. Yeah, I just I just don't believe it. Not what in the, about when the, the playoffs come. You feel they're the most dangerous opponent yeah, for the Lakers. Yeah, cuz they want to the beat the Lakers. Yeah, like sure. they are they they've put their team together the past two years to Too beat the good. Lakers. Yeah, I agree with you. Now they have uh, Rondo over there, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much, you know, um, the Atlanta thing was very weird for Rondo this year. Well, so. he said he. I don't know if you guys listened to um to uh, Barnes and Stephen Jackson. UCLA beat Alabama. Yeah, eighty-eight oh, yeah. seventy-eight. Yeah. Wow. I picked that too, funny enough. <laughs> With money on it? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Juan's buying post-show beverages. I did pick Florida State, too, unfortunately. That was that was That was rough. bad. That was bad. That was rough. Sorry, Pink. <laughs> it's um, okay. But uh, where, where were we? You were saying Rondo, uh, I guess, had some so Rondo, time in Atlanta. So Rondo on... Barn on Matt Barnes and uh, Stephen Jackson's podcast. All the smoke. All the smoke. Really good show. If uh, 
if, if you guys ever want to tune in on, on YouTube and Showtime. Um, he mentioned it. Slightly he, worse than the show we're on right now. <laughs> not as good as this. <laughs> um, he mentioned that Atlanta was a destination because of its proximity to home. He wanted to get back on the East Coast, and he wanted to have a developmental role uh, with a young point guard like Trey Young. But if you're the Clippers, I, th- I think it's a really good move. Um, you know, for as much as I like Lou Williams, his deficiencies, uh, just like I mentioned about Montrez, they were really exposed in the playoffs last year. Um, and the Clippers, their their window, uh, it's now. Because yeah. you don't know if you're going to have Kawhi Leonard next year. Yeah, if they lose, um, I think Kawhi leaves, man. Where um, would he go? He's a mercenary, man. He'll find somewhere. <laughs> yeah, he will find somewhere. <laughs> of course, he'll find somewhere. But <laughs> like, like if if Paul if Paul George somehow if, turns if, back into you know into uh, playoff P. <laughs> if the Lakers, if the Lakers leave, lose man. this year, I could see them somehow making a run at Kawhi because LeBron's going to be thirty-seven, and it's. It's just it, it just gets tougher, man. Like I know he's superhuman and puts millions of dollars into his body, but at some point your age is your age, man. Like yeah. you know, time is undefeated. Yeah, it really is. Time and pussy is both undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently Gonzaga. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could see them making a run at Kawhi, but the, the Clippers know, like. This is this is it. This is it. This is it. Um, and and that was the move that they had to make. Um, one guy you will see a lot of in the playoffs, and I, I think he's going to make a difference. He's been playing great lately. Terrence Mann. Yeah. Mm. Terrence FSU Mann. Man. And and I think that they traded Lou Will because they're like, man, we we can't keep this guy off the floor yeah. for very long. Right. Yeah. Um. W- w- when I say very long, I mean like, hey, we need to play this guy. 20 to 25 minutes a yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, – I think the Clippers, I think Denver, Utah – I don't know why Phoenix didn't try to upgrade at the trade deadline, but I, I like their team, actually. I like Chris Paul um, and what Devin Booker, what he's done there. Um, Super I, Dario. I just don't know Super if they Dario. have mm-hmm. – I just don't know if they have enough – I know they don't have enough pieces. Like, like what's going to happen if if Booker or Paul has an off night? They lose. They lose. They could lose if they have an on night. That's that's what I mean. In in the playoffs, you just have to have more than two really good options. And DeAndre Ayton's not a guy at this stage in his career, I don't think yet, that is – that's going to make like a super huge impact right. in the playoffs. I think he'll be really good down the line. I just don't think it's he's there yet. Daryl, from your perspective uh, as a trainer, like like who's like an NBA player or two that that you really feel are undervalued, um, that that maybe don't get the credit they do given the the skill set they have and what they contribute to the game for their team. Uh, Norman Powell, who Portland just got. Mm-hmm. Norman Powell, it's just the ability to make shots. I don't. I don't think he's people talk paid. about it enough. Yeah, he's getting paid this summer. Interesting just, thing. <laughs> just the, the, his first game here, you know, in Orlando, hasn't played with the team, just making shots, and, and he can guard. Yeah, and he can hold his own, and so I think that helps Portland. And I don't think people, like I said, I don't think people talk about him enough. Right. 
good. I like that. That's definitely not a guy I would have guessed. Yeah. So glad I asked the question. <laughs> Wait, Portland, way to compliment myself. If Portland can stay healthy, I mean, with, with the right matchups, they can. They so. can. They can get to. You know, they can win a couple rounds in the playoffs, just right. like they did a couple years ago. But they've. You know, the the one thing is they need to be better defensively, mm-hmm. and I think more so than Phoenix. I think if if Lillard has an off night, they're in trouble. Um, you know, C- CJ can do some things. No, CJ can do a lot of things, yeah. but I just think that that Dane's got the ball in his hands so much mm-hmm. that if he goes four for nineteen, like they're in trouble. And yeah. and that can change too now that now CJ's back because we we have just seen Dane yeah dominate yeah. the ball yeah yeah. yeah yeah that's interesting. Well, we always wrap up each show with an interesting story from Bubba. So Bubba has this strange encounter with Dwight Howard. Um, He's so. been ejected in back-to-back games. I saw him get ejected the other day. He got ejected again? Yeah. He's our he, was, goal, he was man. ejected last night. I was watching the uh, the Clippers-Philadelphia game. and I haven't seen got... a guy get ejected from back-to-back games since that weird guy Justin at the JCC. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was Dwight That was Howard. one of the greatest ejections of all time. He literally had his grandparents, yeah. like, silver-haired old folks and the man got ejected and his grandparents had to take the walk of shame with him and leave the gym (laughs) i'll never forget that i wish we had that on youtube (laughs) well yes um right right so it is time for the story of the week here um you know now we have a couple of guests on so just to run back a couple of the other stories of course I, i i told a story about how I got hit so hard in Pop Warner, I doodled on myself. Um, told the story about uh, my uncle Lilo uh, seeing him when I was walking home, walking to my Mima's house from from middle school, and um, ran into him coming out of the shower. Man, this thing was all the way down by his ankle, oh. and uh, <laughs> told the story about how my uh, light skinned roommate in college kind of took the girl I was macking all day at the beach. And uh, smashed her right in f- on on the top bunk, man, right in front of me. That's tough. It's <laughs> really tough, tough, man. Um, yeah, man. But today, um, I have I had a strange encounter with Dwight Howard. So back in the day, I used to work for the uh, Atlanta Orlando Sentinel and WFTV Channel Nine. Shout out to Justin. Um, and so I would work all of the Orlando Magic home games. Uh, back when I was trying to be a you know, Orlando Stephen A. Smith, you know, and uh, Stephen A. Huh? I hate that guy. <laughs> he just he screams and yells. <laughs> All stick, no substance. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man. So after the games, I would, um, you know, go to the locker room um, and, and you know, ask questions, things like that. Get it on for uh, WFTV and, and get in the editing room, things like that. So this particular game, they played the, the Lakers. So I was hyped because I was able to um, – I tell people I interview Kobe, but not really. I just ask <laughs> one question because, you know, it's like 15, 20 reporters. But when the Lakers come to town, it's like 50, you know, whatever yeah. the case may be in the in the media room. So what um, was your question for Kobe? <laughs> I was so nervous for whatever reason, man. I think I said something about his shooting performance. I was, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you can't remember. You got to ask the legend a question. Yeah, man. No, it was it was about his his, his shooting percentage uh, that night or something. Because 
Yeah, he struggled that night. But um, we went into the Orlando Magic uh, locker room first. All right. Now, at this time, this is the time where Dwight Howard is like a clown. You know, he's known around the league for being a clown. He's, you know, very playful and, and, and all of that stuff. So in the locker room after the games, he's that times 10, you know. So he's the guy going around twisting the towel up and slapping people you know he's slapping players on the on the, the the booty and stuff like that as they're walking by like he's just doing all of that while the media is there just that's how he's having a good time you know <laughs> so this particular game he had a rough night you know he had a rough night not that many rebounds or points and jj reddick had a had a big game he had a huge game all right so um so we're interviewing him all right and um Everybody is at his locker. All right. So nobody's really paying any attention to Dwight Howard. He's, you know, he, he he's in the back. So, smacking asses all by <laughs> Yeah, man. And everyone's dressed but him. You know, by the time the media gets back there, you know, the guys sort of, you know, they, they, they have the clothes on by then. But this clown, he has no shirt on. He just has his towel on. You know what? You know nothing on underneath. So, you know I'm uh, in the back of the media. So everybody's huddled up, and I'm just I'm on the last row, if you will. Uh, you know, holding the mic out and things like that. And we're ask, they're asking them questions, and the <laughs> white comes up, and he's like behind me, trying to like you know. Uh, distract JJ from answering questions and he's all like this and you know playing around and you know stuff like that but he's on like on my back you know what I mean and you know I think you know I feel like his his thing is like on my neck on my neck and you know and and it's just like I don't want to get you know, I don't want to act a fool in here, man, because, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm trying to make it in here, in this business, you know what I mean? So this guy, he, he keeps doing, you know, so I just say, yo, yo, <laughs> what you doing, man? That's what, I, and, and then he's just like, you know, he looks at me like, you know, I'm like I'm crazy or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> And so we get into like a. There's only one guy naked, (laughs) and somehow I'm the crazy guy. Yeah, exactly, man. How'd that happen? (laughs) Just like, yo, can you can you move over over here? You know what I mean? And man, that was the last time I was in that locker room. They wouldn't let you banned. Not, I guess not banned, but my yeah, my director wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe somebody said something to him. They wouldn't let me go back (laughs) in the locker room after that. I just couldn't let that man just have they, his meat on my neck, man. I hope they told the next intern that if Dwight wants to put his junk on your neck, you got to just you gotta take do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> the things you have to do, man, to make it in, in this world. That was man. your version of the casting couch, and you failed. <laughs> <laughs> it was a test. The casting couch. The Illuminati. <laughs> That's oh, no, man, I couldn't do it, man. I oh, couldn't do it. I, I'm with you, man. That's an uncomfortable situation. I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
All right. Well, I want to thank Juan and I want to thank Daryl Harden for coming in and uh, helping us out with the show today. Daryl, great stuff. Very informative. Appreciate Appreciated it. it. Juan, as always, hot takes on the NBA. I don't know that they're hot. I, I try to be reasonable. <laughs> that Milwaukee enough, take is not reasonable. There's enough takes on the NBA. There's enough. There's enough hot take artists in here. I try to. I try to be reasonable, <laughs> even though Bubba doesn't think so. But now, we'll bu- see. Time will tell. Now, Bubba, I gotta ask: when when the Dwight and the transsexual stuff came out, did it kind of? kind of make that story take a different turn <laughs> could that have possibly been a legitimate advance by the big fella <laughs> hell no <laughs> <laughs> oh well at least you didn't end up with a strained ass uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was his, that was his injury right he yeah. had an injury it was a, a yeah. stra- <laughs> right after the story dropped Yikes, man. Yikes. I remember that. I Talk remember about that. timing, yeah, man. <laughs> Could it have been a hamstring? Come on, it's not that far apart. <laughs> well, listen, uh, you've been on the bench with Bubba and Pink. Don't forget, we're on all podcast streaming platforms. Also, we're on YouTube. Uh, check us out. Subscribe, like, comment. We'll be back next week with the uh, MMA guy, man. That's right. My guy, Casey Bear. He's going to come in here. He's going to... Uh, uh, he doesn't come here and clean house. <laughs> well, he's going to show me uh, one of his uh, famous moves. So we're going to move this table. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. If we had a rim in here, I would I would have had the, the the you know Mr. Harden here show me uh, uh you know how to make a left hand layup. I still don't know how to make a left hand layup. Get sometime this week. You right. Too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank All you. Right. We're out. Thank you again. Thank you guys.